This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And all of a sudden, God enters his life and he says, I'm sending you on a rescue mission. And Moses is sitting there thinking, you know, I left Egypt a long time ago. You know, I had some pretty nice clothes, clothes of royalty when I ran out. That was 40 years ago. Those clothes have worn out. They're long faded, you know. And now, look at me. I look like an Arab shepherd. And God's calling me to go and to have a standoff against Pharaoh and to bring Israel out of Egypt. I mean, this was just too much. It was just too much for Moses. Moses then, he says, I gotta come up with excuses. I, I gotta come up with reasons that I can just say, Lord, you need to pass me by and go get the next one. Just leave me alone on this forgotten mountain here that's down there in Saudi Arabia. I mean, Moses had his heyday. I mean, he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was destined to become the ruler in Egypt, but those days were over. They're gone, and as a matter of fact, when Moses was in the palace, God never could have called him, because why? Moses thought at that time that he was really something, and God cannot use a man who thinks that he's really something. God cannot use a man who is proud. So God, this was a process with Moses. God had to strip him down to nothing before he could use him, and that's what God does in our lives. Exactly the same thing. He strips us down to nothing like we did with Moses, and then God says, okay, now I can use you. So the first thing that Moses hears in this call that he gets from God is that I wanna send you to Pharaoh. Now that's terrifying. I mean, because the previous Pharaoh had marked Moses to kill him, he tried to kill him. And Moses has gone to great lengths in his life now to hide his identity. He doesn't wanna be known as Moses, the former son of Pharaoh's daughter destined to become the ruler. He doesn't want that. So he's been a fugitive for 40 years and now he hears God say to him, Moses, I want you to openly march right back into Egypt, identify yourself, march right in front of Pharaoh, just like that. You know? And the verse, verse that's how verse 10 hits him. 
Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. That's terrifying. There's the second part. God goes on and says, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel. That's another problem. I mean, you know, Moses is sitting there saying, you know, Pharaoh and the Jews, I'm not sure which one is the worst problem that I have to go face up against. Because Moses here, God's referred to Israel. He says, Moses hears God call Israel, my people, the children of Israel. And Moses is thinking to himself, your people? I thought you forgot about your people. Nobody's heard from you for 400 years. Israel's been slaves. I thought God totally forgot about Israel. And that's how easy it is for us to look at the Jewish people today and to say the same thing. I thought God forgot about Israel. Israel, yeah, we can read in the Bible and we can get all kinds of romantic feelings about the Jewish people, but when we go to them, we see they're far from God. They're very far from God. This is God's people. They wanna make Tel Aviv the gay center of the world. They wanna make the Sodom and Gomorrah capital there in Tel Aviv of the world. Jewish people, one-third of them were killed, destroyed by the Nazis. It just looks like God's forgotten about the Jewish people. And so Moses then looks for an excuse, and his excuse is, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt in verse 11. And it's interesting because in verse 11, when Moses said that, he says, he said, I should go into Pharaoh, I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt, He repeated every word that God said, but one deletion, one little important deletion. He repeats what God said to him by bringing out Israel out of Egypt, but there's one little detail that Moses did not repeat, and you know what that was? He didn't call them your people. He didn't say thy people. He didn't say your people. You know, God called Israel my people, the children of Israel, but Moses just said the children of Israel. He he didn't say my people. Instead, he just calls them that. And not your, your people, the children of Israel. Why did he do that? Why did he not repeat that part about your people? Well, it was because it was hard for Moses. Moses didn't see Israel as God's people, like I've been saying. Moses thought, if the Jewish people are God's people, then why have they sunk so far away from God? And he thought, if the Jewish people are God's people, then why has there been this systematic, this effort to systematically exterminate them by the Egyptians? And for those reasons, Moses just couldn't bring himself to call Israel God's people. And the same is true for us today. You know, you go down to the malls, you go talk to the Israelis, and you'll find out quickly the fact that 85% of the Israelis are atheists. That's God's people. 85% are atheists. And with the fact that, that the world has tried to continually destroy the Jewish people, even New Zealand. What is still New Zealand, that little, that little nothing of a country down there in the middle of the water? They're the ones who stand up in the United Nations and condemn Israel. And more than half, everybody's got the big outrage now about you know, moving the capital, moving the embassy. The U.S. is gonna move the embassy to Jerusalem. Half the countries of the world refuse to have any embassy in any place in Israel, let alone Jerusalem. I mean, how could they be God's people? Even the Pope, 
condemns the idea of moving Yahweh's embassy to Jerusalem. How could they do that? How could the Jewish people be God's people? So Moses, he just could not bring himself to say that Israel was God's people. So Moses think Moses thinks Moses should go to Pharaoh? No, I don't think so. Yeah, Moses, Moses think Moses should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? No, that's not a good idea. Now, now at least one problem has been solved in order to qualify Moses as God's man to rescue Israel, because in the past, for those first 40 years, and he saw the Egyptian beating the Jewish person, and so Mo, Moses had no problem thinking that, yep, I'm able to deliver the Jews. I'm gonna kill this, this, this Egyptian. I'm gonna hide his body. Well, that was 40 years ago when he was 40, and Moses thought he could do the job of delivering Israel. And if this was 40 years earlier and God called Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt, Moses would have said, no problem, Lord. I'm the man for the job. I'm the man. I'm up to the task. But that was when Moses had self-confidence, when Moses thought a lot of himself. And God cannot use a person who has self-confidence because self-confidence is P-R-I-D-E, it's pride. And God hates pride. He says that in Proverbs 6.16. Proverbs 6.16 says, these six things that the Lord hate, seven are an abomination to him, and first on the list is a proud look. You know what a proud look, literally, a proud eyes, high eyes is what it literally means in the Hebrew, high eyes. You know, when the chin gets jutted out, you know, and the eyes are looking down like, you know, and you know who you're talking to. That, that's a proud look, see? And that's what God resists. So when I see that, I'll resist that in James 4, 6, James 4, 6. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So anyway, at least one problem has been solved in Moses' life. He's not proud, and that's good. But Moses now is arguing with God. He's saying, Lord, I think you got the wrong person for this job. So he's put up this, who am I? argument. Who am I that I should go and deliver them? And God's answer comes in verse 12. Moses, it's not a question of who are you. It's a question of who am I? And he says in verse 12, certainly I will be with thee. And so the presence of God is God's answer to Moses when he says, who am I? And when a person says, like Moses said when he was 40 years old, I can do anything by myself, he's useless. He's useless for God. And God resists that proud. On the other hand, when a person like Moses, now he's 80 years old, and he says, I can do nothing for God, he's also useless for God. But when a person says, I can do nothing, but God can do everything, or God can do anything, and God with me means that I can do anything, then a person is useful for God. And that's what God was trying to bring Moses to see, that with God, Moses could do it. Moses could do it. Now the problem, when Moses heard in verse 10, I'll send thee unto Pharaoh, he thought, oh, this is gonna be a match between Pharaoh versus Moses. I think I know who's gonna win that match. And he says, I can't stand up against Pharaoh. I can't go into the ring of Pharaoh versus Moses. I mean, this was all Goliath saw. I mean, Goliath, all he saw was this little shepherd boy. Uh, David, who didn't even come out with armor on. He came out against Goliath, and Goliath sees this little shepherd boy, and so Goliath sees, oh, this is a match between Goliath versus the little shepherd boy. 
And this is what Goliath was saying in 1 Samuel 17, 40. 1 Samuel 17, 40, where it says about David, he took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy, he was red-haired, I guess, and a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I'll give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, to the beasts of the field. So when Goliath saw David, all Goliath saw was this young red-haired man with a tender-looking face and a staff in his hand. Goliath saw that this was a match of Goliath versus David, and that's all that Goliath saw. But David immediately, no, he sets the record straight. He sets the record straight in his reply to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17.45. In 1 Samuel 17.45, David says, David, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, with a shield. See, he said to him, you come to me with a staff. He says, yeah, you come to me with a sword, spear, and a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I'll smite thee and take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So David told Goliath, you think the battle is my battle? but the battle is the Lord's battle. And you think that you're defying Israel, you're defying God. And you think this is all about me that's going about to defeat you? The Lord's gonna deliver you into my hand. In essence, what he was saying, David was saying to Goliath was, you think this is all about Goliath versus David? It's not, it's Goliath versus God. And that's what Moses needed to see. Moses thought that him going to Pharaoh was gonna be Pharaoh versus Moses, and God was telling him, no, Moses, it's gonna be Pharaoh versus God. And when God told Moses in verse 12, certainly I will be with thee, God was telling Moses, Moses, stop looking at Moses and start looking at God. And this is not about was Moses able to bring Israel out of Egypt? This was about was God able to bring Israel out of Egypt, Israel out of Egypt? Now Moses moves on, okay, he moves on to the next problem. And what you can see Moses, he's kind of starting to imagine, walk himself through all of this and saying, okay, now where's my next problem? And he says, okay, I'm going into Egypt and I see now that I've gotten the Jewish people, the elders together, and I gotta convince Israel that God's gonna bring them out of Egypt. And Moses remembers what happened the day that he killed that Egyptian, the day after, rather. You know, he killed the Egyptian because there were two Jewish men who were arguing the day afterward. After he kills the Egyptian, he sees two Jewish men who are arguing. He steps in to try to resolve the problem between the two Jewish men. Jewish men never argue, so this is very unusual. But anyway, <laughs> so in Exodus 2.13, it says, when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to the one that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? 
Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So Moses remembers that day clearly, even though it was 40 years ago. And when Moses stepped in in an argument between these two Jewish men, and he tries to stop the one man from hitting the other man, and then these words that shocked Moses, who made you a prince and a judge over us? And so now he's took those words this is gonna be, that's gonna be what they're gonna say to me. They're gonna say it all over again. They're gonna, when I go there, now it's 40 years later, but I go there and they're gonna say, well, who made you the prince and the judge? Who made you the leader over us? See, just like it was of the Lord. In John 1.11, John 1.11 is kind of like Moses. Moses came unto his own, and he is afraid his own is gonna receive him not. That's what happened with the Lord in John 1.11. He came unto his own, his own received him not. Well, the whole reason that Moses killed the Egyptian and tried to stop the one Jewish man from beating another was because even though Moses was the son of Pharaoh's daughter, was raised an Egyptian, Moses saw the Jewish people as his people. Moses came unto his own, and his own received him not. And so now, Moses is now trying to raise to God this issue. He's saying, they won't accept me. They won't accept me. They're gonna do the same thing to me now that they did 40 years ago. They're gonna challenge me with this who made you routine. Who made you a leader and a prince and a ruler over us? Now that was a question that Moses got 40 years ago and he couldn't answer that question. Moses couldn't answer that question 40 years ago and he doesn't think I'm not gonna be able to answer it now. Who made you a prince and a ruler over us? So God gives Moses the answer and the answer is God made you a prince and a ruler and a judge and a leader. So Moses understands this. So Moses now, he's thinking, okay, I'm gonna go back to Israel. It's after 40 years, and at least I got that answer. Okay, I got that answer. And Moses is gonna say, the God of your fathers, the God of your fathers, he's made me the prince and the judge and the leader over Israel. Okay, well, it was pretty rough 40 years ago, but when, when Israel asked Moses that question, who made you a prince and a judge over Israel? And Moses, he doesn't wanna have another question. He doesn't wanna have another question he doesn't have an answer to. That was embarrassing. You know, he doesn't wanna go through that again. So he's, he's sitting there thinking, now let me see now. What question could the Jewish people ask me? And I'd be really embarrassed if I don't know the answer. And Moses says, yeah, I know what they're gonna ask me, and I'm not gonna know the answer. They're gonna ask me, Verse 18, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What's his name? What's his name? What shall I say to them? What shall I say to them? He says, Yeah, that's it. That's what's going to happen. Then they asked me the question last time. It was real embarrassing. They're going to ask me another question now, and I'm going to stand in front of them, and I'm going to say, The God of your fathers sent me, and they're going to say, Yeah, the God of our fathers, okay, what's his name? And Moses realized, says, well, I don't know. I'll go back, I'll ask him, I'll be right back. And they say, yeah, buddy boy, you come back here when you find out his name. He doesn't want to go through that. He doesn't want to go through that. So he's saying, what shall I say? What shall I say? And so Moses gets the answer from God in verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So Moses hears God give the answer. When they ask you what God's name is, you just tell them, I am that I am. I am has sent you. Can you imagine him hearing that? And he says, how do I answer his dad? You know, he'd say, he'd say, I am that I am. I am. I'm going to tell him, I am has sent me unto you. They're going to say, yeah, you need to go see the, 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 the man over there who deals with mental problems over there. I mean, you know, Moses just thought about that. What does that mean? 
Uh, what does the name I am mean? And so, you know, you think about it, and Moses says, oh, yeah, I know. It's a, I am means he has no beginning. I am means he has no ending. It, it just means God is. God is. It means that God's outside of our ability to define him. He's outside of the, our ability to put boundaries around him and say, okay, this is God, and God is boundless, and he can't be limited by a definition. So to say that God is, that I am, is a perfect description for what they needed to know. They needed to know that God, because he is everything, because he can do anything, and nothing is impossible for God to do, so his name is I am. So that's the message. He says, okay. Just like when Moses came there and he saw that bush, and the bush was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And he's looking at that bush, and he says, I never seen anything like this before. It just keeps burning and burning. It doesn't burn up. That's like God. That's like God. So to say that when God says, I am that I am, it means you can't put any definitions, limits on God's ability. I am defines the eternity of God's person there. It's got no beginning. It's got no end. It's boundless. It's kind of like the almighty. It means boundless of power. All right. Then God further goes on to give another name for Moses to take to them. And he says in verse 15, God said, moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. So now God tells Moses, look, I got another name. I've got another name that I've chosen for myself. Only God can choose the names. He was, I got another name that I've chosen for myself, and here it is. It's the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And God says to Moses, that's my name. That's my name. And then God says, that will be my name forever. And he uses the word olam. He says, which means olam is a Hebrew word. It means uh, beyond the vanishing point of what you can see. In other words, it means eternity, or it means farther than your eye can see. And so then God tells Moses, look, that's my name. It's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and that's, that's the name that I have chosen. I've chosen that. Think of it. God has chosen that name forever to be his name, and then he says, I want to be remembered that way. That's going to be my memorial unto all generations. I want it to be remembered that way. Now, for us, this is pretty amazing, because that God would choose this name, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob for himself, for all eternity, for all eternity, and is the name that God wants to be known for for generations then we make think, well, you know, what do we learn about how God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, of Jacob? What do we find out about that? The book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, which is why I've spent the last five years going verse by verse through the first 45 chapters of Genesis, generating about 8,000 pages of notes. But apart from that, I'm just beginning. You can't get enough of Genesis. You cannot get enough of the book of Genesis because this is the histories there of how God is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And especially when you think about Jacob, oh, Jacob, he's really something. I mean, of all the three men, the three men, they were not great in themselves. But of all the three men, especially Jacob was not great in himself. But it's these histories in the book of Genesis about how God was 
the God of Abraham, and how he was the God of, of timid Isaac, and how he's the God of impetuous, impetuous Jacob that leads us to see why God chooses this name for his name forever, that he's gonna be known as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob, that's his name forever. He says, I want you to remember me forever. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, you can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.